Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Forrest, and with me is the idiopathic Brent and idiosyncratic Dylan. Ooh. Absolutely. Beautiful. True. Beautiful. That's completely true. Beautiful. Yeah. Brent Absolutely. is idiopathic because that relates to yep. or denotes any disease or condition which arises spontaneously or for which the cause is unknown. And yeah, the cause of Brent more. is uh, certainly unknown. We do not know. We do <laughs> I don't know, know what it is. Yet. Someday we'll talk it, talk about it, I'm sure. And for everyone listening, please go visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash none dare call ordinary. You'll see all kinds of wonderful things we have up there, like pictures of my tongue and my toe and my feet. I know you want to see that. <laughs> it is nasty, but you can Make also... Make sure you're eating. Make sure you're eating. Yeah, definitely while, while eat while watching it. And you can, <laughs> if, you, if you're more normal, you can, you know, talk with us, chat with other fans, suggest episodes, suggest whatever you want. It's a, you don't have to be a patron to go and participate on the Patreon page. Yes, and we also want to mention that we mentioned this before, but we're off all the other social media. We do everything at patreon.com. Exactly. So everything you yes. want. It's a one-stop shop for everything. So if you've heard the last episode, you might have noticed something. I was speaking very fast, saying the word like in every other sentence and tripping over my own words all the time. But this wasn't because I was nervous in revealing to you all just how insane I actually am. No, it's because nothing that episode was unordinary. And I wanted to just rush through it and get to the unordinary stuff and the weird stuff. Yeah, that was all. That's what you want. That was the prequel. That was milk toast. To yeah, really, yeah, definitely. milk toast. Exactly. The Star Wars <laughs> episode one of the crappy prequel that no one cares about. This is the Empire Strikes Back. This is much. Yeah, much that more was, you know, stuff. the Phantom Fungus. And this is <laughs> the Fungus Strikes Back. And so here it is where we last left off. That was September 16th, 2019. It was literally a rude awakening to find out that my jihad against the wicked fungus of the West, with the help of the good fungus of the North, was not a dream, because <laughs> upon stepping into my bathroom, the toilet, mirror, and bathtub were covered in vomit. Yeah, that would be a real weird dream. So, after taking some CBD oil and a test of faith and reason over the senses, I decided to go get something to eat. After all... The day before, my diet consisted entirely of Nystatin, CBD oil, buckwheat honey, some kind of other medicinal honey, I can't remember which one, maple syrup, and oatmeal. And this is after my doctor warns me not to overdo sugar for a while, by the way. <laughs> oh, so that's, I really heeded his advice. So you have the keto diet, the paleo diet, the Bitcoin carnivore <laughs> diet, but I invented something new, the psychosis Ooh, diet. All this sugar, the all one. the time. Yep. Just nonstop sugar. Great. What's nice is you could just mix all that stuff together in one pot and yeah. make, you know, a psychosis porridge, if you will. Yes, exactly. And think about it. I was going on an anti-candida diet, so no sugar. And I went to, no, to kill the candida, as much fucking sugar as possible. So even though the good fungus, quote, good fungus, told me I needed to eat green prebiotic foods and that my food sensitivities were no longer an issue, you can imagine I was feeling a little bit skeptical about everything that happened to me the day before, if only at the very least, because some of the psychic messages I got weren't very helpful. Let's just say that. Yeah, that's like that. That's the reason to be skeptical. That's the reason. The other stuff. No, clearly don't be skeptical of that. But given that some of these psychic messages, don't be skeptical that there were psychic messages, just that some of them weren't very helpful. So I decided, yeah, I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to eat some other stuff and just, you know, see if what it told me was true. And if you have a psychotic hallucination, usually it's not a good idea to blindly follow any advice that you might receive 
As I said before, I was on a paleo diet and I'm broke as fuck. So of course I went back to El Pollo Loco to get tacos and I swallowed them just fine. Still, I, <laughs> I think, uh, I still think you should have went to the helpful chicken. El Pollo Helpful. Yeah. Uh, just in case. Just in case Candida is blocking my esophagus and I'm going to choke to death. Yes. A few fun things I learned throughout the day. I noticed that my sex drive was completely gone, which made me believe my cortisol levels were way through the roof. I could barely speak. I'd cough so much that I lost my voice. And whenever I tried to speak, my upper left lung hurt like hell. So I hadn't vaped CBD since May or July, and I remembered how good that made me feel. So I got a Doma CBD vape pen. Plus, I was—I really believe that it, was, it dripped into my lungs the other day. So I'm like, I'm going to smoke it out. <laughs> and this is 18 to 1 CBD to THC, which made me a bit nervous to try because THC turns me into a nut. But it didn't seem to do anything detrimental. So that was good. Didn't seem to really help either though so and we are not sponsored by that vape pen company no just uh, to let everyone know this is pure a pure endorsement (laughs) actually it's not an endorsement it's not an endorsement it didn't do anything oh okay it's a neutral a pure neutral statement (laughs) this is all just a document i decided that my routine would be to take nice statin at my scheduled doses take some buckwheat honey use some cbd not lsd to steady my nerves and keep stressed down as I waited to see an infectious disease specialist. After all, whatever skepticism I might have had about my experience, the electrolyte imbalances, dry mouth, feeling high without drug use, tongue thrush, and yeast on my feet and hands is a friendly reminder that there's probably something legitimate to worry about. Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a broke as fuck starving artist, so I'm an Obamacare leech, which is wonderful for me. Because at the end of the saga, I would have owed a trillion dollars to the medical industry. And you should have owed that money. Yes, I should. Punish the sick. Those uh, Ron Paul fans in the audience would have said, let him die. Sadly, one stipulation with being an Obamacare leech is that all specialists I want to visit have to be given the go ahead by my primary care physician. So I set up an appointment with him and had to wait a week or so to get in because this is socialized I have a feeling healthcare. the scariest part of this series is going to be the medical bureaucracy. <laughs> it actually, that is the scariest part. I learned about sepsis and septic shock in a binge of Googling cyberchondria. I sincerely hope that in all the gazillions of times they had to stick me with needles at the ER and urgent care facility, no fungi entered into my bloodstream. I keep eyeing my needle entry wounds on my arm, which don't seem to be healing very well. So much for listening to the good fun guy that I need to stop obsessing over my health. Man. Maybe I should have listened to that part. At one point, I decide I'm going to do let exactly go what you and let fungus. I think that's how the phrase goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. At one point, I decide I'm going to do exactly what you shouldn't do after having a psychotic episode involving fungus and watch some Terrence McKenna shit oh, on YouTube. No. <laughs> oh, shit. After all, after all, and this is something I forgot to tell you in the last episode, the good fun guy told me I was too harsh in my evaluation of Terrence McKenna. (laughs) That's how you know it's not the good fun guy. Exactly. That's how you know. One minute into the video, McKenna talks about one of his shroom trips and says that the mushroom tells him, paraphrasing, what you call time, we call man. That early rung true to me based on what I had experienced and it creeped me out. So I shut off the TV and decided that Terrence McKenna isn't the best thing to watch after psychosis. I was supposed to babysit my mother's dog on September 20th. So I stayed a night there on the 19th. September 19th, 2019. Another date which will live in infamy, at least in obscure corners of the internet. Mm -hmm. My mother needed to go to UMC Quick Care and she says I should come along and maybe they could refer me to an infectologist. 
I figured it would be fruitless given the bureaucratic things we talked about earlier, but figured it wouldn't hurt. When I saw the doctor at UMC, I realized I had recognized him from before. He's a quirky dude with a foreign accent. I can't quite place. Years ago, I came to UMC with a sore throat. And I remember when he walked in, he looked at my throat for two seconds, sat down in his chair, threw up his arms and said, and this is a direct quote, we'll get you some antibiotics. Why not? Yeah, the why not protocol, I believe they call that. Yes. He did find the evidence of fungal infection I presented to him compelling, warned me that fungal medications are horrible for my kidney, and told me that my concerns about sepsis weren't totally unwarranted, given that I was in the ER and all that, and I should see an infectologist as soon as possible. He said he'd refer me to a specialist, but thinks my insurance might deny it, of course. Great. Because my mother also has health anxiety, she in fact has an infrared sauna that's supposed Mm. to penetrate into the deepest fibers of your pathogens. (laughs) In a manic frenzy inspired by my race against time to see a specialist, I decided I was going to beat the fungus by artificially inducing a fever via the sauna. I stopped by the store and got a bunch of sugar-free Gatorade. After all, remember, got to look after my electrolytes. I also and plus, you can up- always just add in the buckwheat honey and maple syrup anyway. You don't have to get the, uh, the sugar Gatorade. Exactly. I also pick up a probiotic called Florester, which contains a generally beneficial yeast called Saccharomyces bordii. Jesus. I got into the sauna with it set as hot as possible. I sweat my balls off and I feel all right coming out. I take a shower, drink Gatorade, and think maybe it helped. When I get downstairs, I find my mom has made me beef tacos and I take a bite. Awesome. Soon, <laughs> soon after that, I look at my stomach and it starts to bloat. And it's bloating <laughs> fast and painfully. Oh, Jesus. Oh, it's getting bigger and bigger. I'm looking at it just look, look, blowing. Look, look. Never eat Mexican food ever again. It's obviously yes, not working. Not not anymore. Should have been beyond meat tacos, not beef. Either way, I'm sure he'd have blown up. His stomach would have exploded if it was beyond <laughs> beef. We all know that's what would have happened. <laughs> that's true. Just like the alien coming out, except yeah. it's a fungus. Oh, just wait. Oh, oh, the sense I got was that the sauna really irritated the fungus, and it was desperately trying to get to the taco for sustenance. That was the idea I had. <laughs> And as though it were a rock-solid certainty, it struck me that my primary problem was that my microbiome is fucked up and can't keep down this fungal overgrowth. The good fungus wasn't kidding when, I, when it told me I needed prebiotics. I don't have any prebiotic foods nearby, so I take the next best thing, the probiotic florister pill. And I shit you not, it came shooting out of my mouth, the tablet ripped apart. There was a big gaping hole in its side <laughs> as if the fungus caught it, tried to eat it, found out it was a, a member of the good fungi class and threw it out of my body. My mother screams, why so did, are you minute, throwing wait it Wait a minute, hold on, hold okay. on, hold on. It came shooting wait. out of your mouth? Like, it, what do you mean? It, I'm trying to visualize it this. It like popped out of my mouth. So you put it, it in your like, mouth and swallowed it? And then I it just, swallowed it. I swallowed it. It went, de- like, went down then... Popped out of my mouth and it was ripped open. You mean threw out of I your mouth? I shit you not. This happened. My mother screams, why are you throwing it up? And I said, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I then get the bright idea. I need to rebuild my microbiome. And so I need prebiotic foods right away to feed the good things in me so they can defeat the bad thing. Because you can't just put the good things in you because they're just going to get ejected. The, yeah, exactly. They're just going <laughs> to so eject that you shit. You got to build them up behind the enemy line, so to speak. I, I got my gut flora that's already there, that's under siege. It needs food so they can uh, replicate and take out the bad fungus. Gotcha. 
and I'm going to go back in the sauna and eat prebiotic foods while in there. But first, I need probiotics and prebiotics. So I drive off to the store. Again, more driving. <laughs> in a mad dash. This is more safe driving. So I'm glad. You know, Dylan, you're welcome. <laughs> Great. And I, I pick up whatever prebiotics and probiotics I can find. I'm nervous about doing this because I remember I have food sensitivities. But like Bill O'Reilly would say, fuck it. We'll do it live. Yeah. And in this case... In this case, I really was picking foods that were really alive. So we were, we were doing it live. I come back home with tons more sugar-free Gatorade, kombucha, which also contained the Saccharomyces boreidae, oatmeal, blueberries, and other prebiotics, which I can't quite remember. So I get back into the sauna and sweat my balls off again, eating oatmeal and blueberries. <laughs> and we're back to total psychosis. While in the sauna, I mean, if we weren't already there. While in the sun, I saw a large spot on my stomach and the reflection of the glass in front of me, right under my sternum. This is where I had gotten the impression that the epicenter of the fungal network was located. Oh. I sweated and sweated, drank and drank Gatorade, ate and ate oatmeal of blueberries. I also made a horrible mess of the sauna with certain bodily fluids that was very unfortunate for my family, who sadly had to clean it up the day the next day. Ap- apologies to my mother and stepfather for all the horrible shit that happened that night. I'm very I sorry. I have man. a feeling you're not just talking about sweat. No. Nope. <laughs> right. Let's just leave that's, it. That's one of the no, bodily fluids. Do your research. People should find <laughs> out. Do your research. <laughs> Go to the sauna. <laughs> Go to the sauna with a little cotton swab the, with the... Uh, with the black light um, that Gordon Ramsay has in his hotel series. Go go there. Take a look. When I get out of the sauna, I'm spitting up all kinds of nasty stuff again. I look at my face in the mirror and the veins at the side of my head are popping out. I figure for whatever unfounded reason, this is sepsis underway. Ooh, then ah. the mucous membrane popping sucking sensation starts and I feel the suction moving from my head down. And as the sucking happens, I can see the veins at the side of my head receding, becoming smaller and smaller. My mother sees this and is deeply disturbed. I tell her, I have come into contact with my microbiome and I have reverse sepsis. I do not think any other human being has done this before. I'm out of and my mind. she was very calm after you said that. Yes. Or since we're fair and balanced like Fox News, this might also be a form of what's called manic psychosis. We report. You decide. My mother, Reach your own conclusion. Yes. Come to your own conclusions. My mother is as accommodating as she can be towards this madness, but I can tell she's deeply disturbed and I felt bad I was dragging her into this. And then the grossest part of the entire story, I felt whatever was below my sternum had lost its grip. I vomit into the toilet and what can only be described as a giant yellow blob. Mm. My mother is horrified. I ask her to please get me a garbage bag because I want to take it in to a specialist as a specimen. I'm waiting for her to come back. I look at the blob and notice it's very slowly crawling around the toilet. And most disturbing of all, it squirts out something that looks like black mold. There's just this like, this like squirt of this black shit that came out of it. I was going to say, you should try to hand it the pill and see if it threw it. (laughs) I should have said, mom, get the forester. We're going to throw it in the toilet. Yeah, force feed it the pill now. I should have sprinkled it all over and see if there was a violent reaction. My mom comes back with the trash bag and I place the blob inside of it and tie it up. She tells me she's had enough and she's going to bed, but could you blame her? (laughs) That's real nice though. It's usually when a mom has had enough, you have to leave. And she's just telling me I'm going to sleep. I can't deal with this anymore. No. 
As I'm left alone in the restroom, I get into psychic contact with the good fungi again. They celebrate my victory. They tell me (laughs) that unfortunately, I'm going to be badly hurt soon, but I'll recover. The evidence of fungal infection and reversal of sepsis will be found in my blood that I should write Aubrey de Grey, and they tell me they'll see me in my dreams. As they leave, I hear some beautiful music, and the psychic message faded out with them saying, deja vu, deja vu, and I recognize that this is what Terrence McKenna had said the machine elves would say to him as his DMT trip would wear off. Okay, so it's a good sign then. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) I get into bed and try to sleep, but sleep is not happening. I feel like there is something in the house, something very important I needed to find. I got up and stepped out of the room, and then a mushroom popped out of me. I looked on the ground, but I couldn't find it. I felt the presence of the fungi again and realized I could communicate it, but this time only via yes, no questions. And remember, a tap on the tongue to the upper palate means yes, and the lower part means no. Yeah, we all know that, all right? We, okay. We know. That's clearly yeah, obvious. Yes. Okay, it's obvious. <laughs> I asked it if my mother's cats eat the mushroom, would they die? It taps up for yes. I try and try and try to find the mushroom, but cannot. The rational part of me told me that this is a hallucination, but the rational side of me just isn't winning right now. What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I again get the feeling. Look, you're being given evidence. You're kind of taking the evidence from the good (laughs) fungi that's communicating to you via the tapping of your mouth. You're taking that evidence and you're using it to rationally guide your actions. I don't see what is (laughs) irrational about this. I again get the feeling that I needed to find something in the house and whatever it would be, would be a revelation. And as this was happening, I was reminded of stories I have read about ketamine experiences and was struck by the similarities, though again, I'm not on drugs. And even though I'm thinking this is a lot like a ketamine experience, I'm going to go with it anyway. (laughs) I feel whatever is beckoning me must be downstairs. It's like wherever I moved in space would give me the feeling getting warmer, getting warmer, or getting colder, getting colder. As I walk downstairs, it's warmer, warmer, warmer. When I reach the bottom of the stairs, sitting on the kitchen counter directly ahead of me, as if it was there for me and I had anticipated it, was a notebook and a pen. And this part of the story is hardest to tell, but I'm going to tell it as completely as I can. As though through intuition, I just knew what to write, I wrote down a bunch of insane claims about McKenna machine elves being the microbiome and that I had learned how to reverse sepsis. I wrote that I simply must speak to Aubrey de Grey to save humanity from death. And who was this note addressed to? I would learn it was to be addressed to my future self. Mm. As I wrote it down, it wasn't lost on me that it was written down in a haphazard way and the handwriting didn't even look like mine. My communication with the fungi at this point was less in psychic messages and more like I said, it was the tongue clicking yes and no questions. And I just knew what to ask it. But for simplicity's sake, I'll say things like the fungus told me. I was Thank told you for by the simplifying fungi, this for us. Yes. <laughs> I was told by the fungi that I had to make a momentous choice, that I was the chosen one. By the way, this is a very schizophrenic type thing that I was genuinely operating my free will to set into motion certain events that would change humanity forever. I was told that the next time I had to urinate, I would pass out and hit my head on the toilet. And when I woke up, I would not remember anything that happened to me. I would wake up in a psychiatric ward, be diagnosed as schizophrenic, and upon defecating, I would look in the toilet and see this note. After I wrote this note, I was to stick it up my ass, urinate, hit my head on the toilet, lose my memory, 
and then the events would be set into motion like Newtonian clockwork. I was told that in the psychiatric ward, I would text someone and tell her what I found. I was told by the fungi that she would be the only one that would believe me. I was told that I would reject all psychiatric treatment, that I would lose contact with all my friends and family, and that only she would remain at my side and believe me. And I would constantly try to get into contact with Aubrey de Grey and become a laughingstock. And this would go on for 30 years. And then I was told something incredibly awful, that I would marry this person I texted and do unspeakable things to her in the course of our marriage. However, it would all be worth it because it would save humanity. Eventually, something I wrote in this notebook would come across Aubrey de de Grey and would trigger in him an idea that would make humanity immortal by somehow allowing humanity and the fungi to interface with each other. Something about this union between fungi and humans would let us escape entropy and the arrow of time. And then I and everyone I love would live forever, except the girl who would marry me. She would die hating me. So the fungus, the fungi are utilitarians. <laughs> yes, they are utilitarians. Okay. I'm supposed to make, I'm just supposed to, I'm supposed to decide whether I'm a utilitarian or whether I believe in the uh, categorical imperative, I guess. As a precaution, I tried to write something in the notebook telling me not to lay a finger on her, but the fungi insisted that it simply had to happen in order for the right sequence of events to come out and had me cross it out. But I couldn't bring myself to do that. I again wrote the precautionary note. The fungi tells me that this just must happen. That if I wrote this precautionary note, then the sequence of events would be altered in a way that wouldn't allow everything to go to plan, according to plan. I feel I desperately need to urinate. I was running against the clock, but I simply could not bring it upon myself to harm this person. I'd rather all humanity die out than do that. And speaking of which, I asked it what would happen if I didn't do it. It told me that I would live a decent life and that life extension technologies would come out soon. But sadly, I and everyone I know would eventually be killed by global warming. Mm, yeah. the, the point was that without the human fungal interface of communication, we could not survive climate change. So I have a feeling but it's, it's beginning to sound like you are responsible for me and Brent's death. Do I have that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. okay. I just want sorry, to, guys. I feel like that's how this is going to come Climate out. change will kill us. I just feel we need to make this explicit that Forrest has killed, essentially has killed Brent and I. And everyone um, else. I don't know how to feel about that. Not, no, no, not just all the listeners, everybody in the world. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, I thought it was just everybody you knew. No, no, no. Well, climate change may not kill everyone, right? But they'll kill everyone I know. But yeah, uh, well, let's put it this way. Humanity won't become immortal, at least. Right. So sorry about that. I deprived you all of immortality, at least. And probably a lot of you are going to die because of me. (sighs) See, this is where the patriarchy would come in handy. (laughs) (laughs) Later, though, I caught it in a contradiction because it simply told me that I wasn't even going to the psych ward as a schizophrenic patient, but I was simply going to die tonight. But that this document would serve to save humanity. And then I realized a sucking sensation was happening again, and I looked in the mirror and saw my veins popping out at the side of my head, just as with the feeling of warmer, 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 colder, colder, colder. As I wrote in the notebook what the fungi wanted me to write, I'd feel the suction going down, and when I wrote what it didn't want me to write, I would feel the suction going up, and my veins seemed to be filling with blood. It wasn't a race against the clock to urinate. It was now a race against the clock against sepsis. Oh, that's a harder race. It is. (laughs) Upping the ante. At some point, I got the idea that this vein popping thing was proof positive I needed to prove I had reverse sepsis and that I was to record a video of it. And as proof of when it was recorded, 
I would send out a signing statement on the Bitcoin blockchain. And Fuck because me. we are fucking nerds, we even got to <laughs> oh, have yeah. this in your fucking exactly. insane no, psychosis so, story. <laughs> one thing that's funny is during the psychosis thing, a lot of the stuff that we talked about on the podcast is like showing up. It's almost like the Wizard of Oz, yeah, how like oh, yeah. all the people she knew were right. appeared oh. like the uh, yeah, it's like that kind of thing. And because of the block, and because so anyway, back to the story. Because the blockchain is immutable, it would serve as total proof of sepsis reversal. I was also told to send this to blockchain thought leader and super narcissistic cult leader, Richard Hart. (laughs) So I get excited about this and was ready to do it, but then realized something pretty important that all of that didn't make any sense at all. (laughs) Yeah, that that is kind of important. I think, yeah, I think that is an essential part of this whole story. And then like Captain Kirk in Star Trek five, when questioning the so-called God that Spock's brother was seeking out, I asked, what kind of benevolent fungus would be okay with lies and contradictions and things that made no sense? <laughs> I'm basically told this is a great act of Kierkegaardian faith, like Abraham in the Bible. I realized at this point, this is crazy, and my rational faculties start to take hold. I then remember the so-called psychic message I mentioned at the end of part one, my friend Gilbert saying that when you do what you're supposed to be doing, you know it, and it's undeniable, and second, to remember Wittgenstein's ladder. And then it hits me. Be rational, no matter what my phenomenological experiences are telling me. If there's reason to doubt this stuff, then it cannot be certain. And only with rock-solid certainty can I take the plunge with the stakes this high. After all, what's more likely? That I am the chosen one or that I'm delusional? Um, and Vic... Chosen one? Which one? You tell I, me. Don't know. I, yeah, I'm going to have to be agnostic. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. And Wittgenstein's ladder is a metaphor in his book, Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. It's about seeing nonsense for what it is, making the point that you cannot affirm or refute nonsense, but only be silent towards it. This is from the book. My propositions are elucidatory in this way. He who understands me finally recognizes them as senseless when he has climbed out through them, on them, over them. He must, so to speak, throw away the ladder after he has climbed up on it. He must transcend these propositions, and then he will see the world aright. What we cannot speak about, we must pass over in silence. And then another thing hit me. It's not about playing the right language game with the fungus. It's just to dispense with the language games altogether. I got the feeling that the way to tell the difference between the good fungi or force within me and the bad fungi or force within me was that the good fungi or force operated totally non-verbally within a context of total certainty and that the bad fungi or force operated in conceptual and verbal means in which doubt existed and that it was posing as the good fungi or force at times throughout all this to deceive me. Yep, that checks out. I got... <laughs> yeah, checks out. It's very, it's very confusing. I got that same electric sensation in my head as if the machinery of logical affirmation and negation, A versus not A, which this is incidentally something somewhat similar to what I felt in experiences with obsessive compulsive disorder, were acting against each other. And this time it feels like a seam in my brain is closed shut. So basically Ooh. a reverse tra- trepanation. A re- a reverse <laughs> trepanation. <laughs> I really, really, really needed to piss. This whole time he's got to pee. I mean, I think all of our listeners, I mean, I think Forest Story is incredible and incredibly unique, but all of our listeners know what it's like to pee really bad. So yes. imagine that sensation on top of a, a battle of life and death between a good and bad fungus within you trying to take control over your soul. <laughs> and you can truly imagine just how bad it is. I do so, and sure enough, I don't pass out and hit my head. This proves the fungi's a liar. This alone, right? Yeah, this yep. one does it. Yep. This is the moment we know the fungus is not 
telling the truth. <laughs> I reach for some CBD oil on the counter and take some, but then I realize there actually was no bottle. I had hallucinated taking the CBD. This is this just shows Damn. how non psychoactive CBD is that you hallucinate taking it. It doesn't make you hallucinate. You hallucinate taking it. It's incredible. It, technically speaking, CBD is psychoactive, but not in the sense that it's, it doesn't do the same things that THC, THC does. It's kind of the opposite. Uh, okay. Did the good fungi tell you that or the bad fungi? This is something I just read. Okay, good. So it's, it's true because I read it somewhere. It's a clerk at the pet store. All right. I was on a new mission. I needed to find some CBD and quick as I go oh, upstairs. Finally, I, I know everyone's been waiting for you to go out driving again yep, to buy yep, some yep. CBD. And finally, <laughs> finally, Forrest is back on the road. Exactly what everybody wants. Well, there's CBD somewhere in the house, so I don't need to go get it. I just need to find it. As I go upstairs, I see one of the cats squatting in agony as if trying to pee on the carpet, but she can't get it out. And I think, oh no, she must have eaten one of those mushrooms that was popping out of my body. <laughs> yeah. I then feel the warmer, colder game going on, but now of finding the CBD oil. I feel it's warmer and warmer and warmer as I approach my bedroom. I get in there, but there's nothing. I then get a warmer, warmer, warmer feeling that is in my parents' room, in this case, my mother and stepfather. Despite finding the fungi is a liar, I irrationally ask it if it's in the bedroom. It tells me, yes. I ask if I go in there, would it wake up and really piss off my parents? It tells me, yes. Mm -hmm. So I go in there and it turns out that the fungus was right and that it really pissed them off. But where it was wrong was that there was no CBD in there. Oh, see, I mean, that's, you don't know what to believe. It's telling you some things are right, some things are wrong. It's kind of a coin flip at this point, whether to listen. This was the last straw. I resolve, I'm not listening to this thing anymore. And since then, I've been fungal communication sober. Oh, God. Round of Thank applause, God. everybody. That's just incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, the first the first step towards sobriety is admitting you have a problem. And I, I, I can't wait for I can't wait for your first 12 step meeting where you, you know, you get you proudly stand up in there saying, my name's Forrest and I am totally fucking nuts. Because that is the totally fucking nuts anonymous. That's where I recommend you hang out. I walk around in a daze looking all over my house for the CBD, but I can't find it. At one point, I decide it's probably best if I go to bed. I get in bed, close the door, and then try to sleep. I hear one of the cats is in the room. It's scratching at the door, trying to get out, and then I realize something horrible. My sense of sight and hearing are not in sync because it sounds like the scratching is coming from the wrong side of the room. I let the cat out and get back into my bed. I notice that my imaginative imaginative capacity is totally diminished. I cannot imagine anything, and my sight is dulled, and the world is in muted colors. Mm. As I lay back, I have a near-death experience, and weirdly enough, it actually, in retrospect, made me believe in the afterlife even less than I did before. (laughs) Stay tuned for Forrest's uh, new book, Heaven is Not for Real. (laughs) (laughs) this is because this afterlife was extremely sketchy and i mean literally sketchy oh like like so not like it's in a bad part of town exactly yeah (laughs) it was like a bunch of psychedelic stuff and going through tunnels etc but in black and white and dull stick figure like images even when the experience ended i noticed that my again my imaginative capacity was completely gone i find can't imagine anything and i have a very vivid imagination 
and my sight is dulled, worlds in muted colors, like I said, I can only assume that something's probably wrong with my brain. You know, what kind of afterlife is brain dependent, one, but also what kind of afterlife <laughs> is in low definition? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah. that St. Christopher Hitchens can forgive my blasphemy <laughs> in the last episode. Maybe he so. might, he might. But I mean, I have to agree with your assessment because... If there's if there's one thing in my research into the Christian faith that I know for sure is that Jesus Christ, he's got an HD TV, you know, he's not <laughs> maybe even 4K, at, whatever that means. But, you know, at least at least 720p, at, l- right. at least the contents of the near death experience. I can't fully remember, but I remember a few things. The first reminded me of a story Brent reported in the DMT episode we did about feeling like you're in a pinball machine. It was mm. like I was being tossed around in an underground pinball machine and these entities were swirling around me and they were very angry with me. Ooh. <laughs> kind of reminds part- me of, uh, I mean, cause that also reminds me of my, uh, salvia experience Ooh. that I reported about in the uh, first bonus episode Ooh, where I was, yeah. uh, stuck in a, uh, demonic, uh, hamster wheel, demonic hamster never wheel. Good, yep. Never good. Another part of the experience was like my body was being sliced into thin slices and tossed in different directions until I became just this blip of consciousness. Oh, it's like a subway. <laughs> demented subway. It's like a de- de- demented subway or good sense. It's like a demented deli. Yeah, just just two two mold like a mold going into a like a fungus subway shop. Yeah, can I get some extra forest, please? Slice some thick. You want the forest ham? <laughs> Eat fresh. And then it was like I didn't exist. There's no longer forest, only a sense of I. I got a vision of being a kind of bead in the void, and that's this bead represented consciousness, and that I was returning from whence consciousness sprang, and I was to sit there forever. I remember thinking, so this is hell. (laughs) I eventually felt my body returning, and I was back in the room. I got this sense that consciousness is engaged in a Darwinian struggle for existence, and that it was constantly latching onto temporal bodies throughout the cosmos that would allow for its expression, even though it itself was eternal. I got the sense that the multiple worlds theory of quantum physics was true, and that consciousness was trying in a trial and error way to find the right body to inhabit to allow its expression. Okay. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know any of that. The sense was that there were countless other forest zombies <laughs> out there that died out, and that the one talking to you right now is a result of this process. In a strange sense, the idea is that I am only alive because in this grander process, it couldn't be otherwise. That is, in this larger context of possibilities in the multiple worlds, there were some versions of myself that would survive, and that true death does not happen unless all those possibilities are exhausted because consciousness would always entangle itself with the worlds which allowed its expression to persist. Since there was a possibility that I could exist, therefore I am here. I get up to use the restroom. Enough of that. (laughs) Turns out... Yeah, I'm done with that. Gotta piss again. <laughs> Enough of that shit. That whole becoming, <laughs> being reduced to a mere, you know, fragment of consciousness in hell and then returning and learning everything Indeed. about the, the many worlds of the kind of quantum foam. Yes. But yeah, fuck all that. I'm done. It was funny because I have this weird like sensation that I was like trying out different bodies. It was like I was rolling in from one body to another saying like, ah, this one has a better chance to survive. Mm. That's what the experience I get up to use the restroom. Turns out my CBD oil was in there the whole time. I take an enormous dose and go back to bed. I then remember this intense craving for eggs. I remember I would go downstairs and try to find eggs in the fridge. And even though I'd find them, I'd not cook any in fear of waking up my mother and stepfather. 
And so then I'd go back upstairs. And this happened a few times in an obsessive compulsive way. These excursions downstairs were starting to blend together with dream imagery to the point where I wasn't certain whether I was dreaming or awake. One time I remember hearing the sound of chainsaws or lawnmowers and felt like they were going off in the house. I have vague memories of seeing my stepfather on these journeys downstairs. At one point, I kind of just lose the You know the your stepdad limp. was just watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre all night, right? <laughs> I mean, that's clearly what was that's happening. What was, that's clearly what was going on. At one point, I kind of just lose the will to live, and I forget the eggs and just let it ride out, even if it just means dying. <sighs> I have an intense pain in my right side, and it feels like there's a war going on in my colon. My mouth is just the driest it's ever been. I then start to sip on kombucha and wait for death. I finally fall asleep for a couple of hours, waking up to the sound of music and voices, only the music and voices aren't real, and I know they're hallucinations. The voices are like background chatter you'd hear at a restaurant, and music is like snippets of beautiful classical music that would abruptly begin and end. At this point, I feel I've lost my mind. I am seriously, dangerously mentally ill. When I get downstairs, I find my mother and stepfather are talking about me, obviously very concerned. My stepfather tells me that I had been sleepwalking, fearing that I've lost control over myself and that I'm dangerously close to losing touch with reality completely. I ask my mom to take me to a psychiatrist immediately. And your mom instead tells you to drive there. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get on the road and take charge of your own life. And with that, we are done with part two of At the Mushrooms of Madness. Stay tuned for... You know, the next episode, find out. Did Forrest drive himself? Did he get a get a ride to the psychiatrist? That's what we does all the, waiting Does the fungi make him turn into an Uber driver and suddenly he's driving <laughs> does the f- everybody around? <laughs> Is he recording this from the psych ward? Technically, the listeners don't know. Do I get the fungi to get me an Uber driver to drive me to Aubrey de Grey? Who knows? Find out in the next exciting installment of my spiral into madness with at the Mushrooms of Madness, part two. And so we are done. Thank you for listening to this episode of None Dare Call It Ordinary. If you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes, just become a $5 a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary. That is also where you'll find any blog posts, pictures, and news updates to go along with our regular series. And you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff. You can also reach us by email at nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.